Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. John Shannon, who you often hear on this station, either on this show or on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, put this on Twitter around 4.30 this afternoon. Here it is. Source confirms NHL is planning the private purchase of a COVID vaccine for all constituents involved in the potential upcoming season. Shannon later posted... To clarify, the NHL is interested in securing vaccine if and when it's available for private purchase. Is it at this point? No. The league is also adamant it would not jump the line to do so. Obviously, John's initial tweet raised a lot of eyebrows. We're hearing a lot about a vaccine lately going to be rolled out. Who's going to get it in what order? What's the timeline? So, Obviously, significant news. Uh, I did give John a call after his tweet, and uh, just to clarify, he, he said, look, there's no timeline for the NHL to buy anything. Um, they would be getting it straight from a pharmaceutical company or companies. When you're talking, John worded it for all the constituents involved. Basically, that would mean probably anybody that was considered to be in the bubble during the playoffs in Edmonton and Toronto would be someone who would be vaccinated once we get to that point. So that was 52 people for per team. Then plus you're looking at off-ice officials and referees and people like that. So just as a very loose number, uh, you know, John and I talking together kind of estimated between three and 4,000 vaccines. There's no estimate on the cost or anything like that. Now, his second tweet to following up, the NHL is interested in doing this. Why would they be? if and when it's available for private purchase, and they said they would not jump the queue. So just just to keep a couple of things here in mind, and I, I saw a little bit of reaction on Twitter, which was negative to this, but then again, I could tweet pictures of cute puppies on Twitter and there'd be a negative reaction. But the NHL operating... Um, you know, a little bit separately from the health system, whether it's in Alberta, Ontario, or anywhere, is possible, is not against the rules, is not against the law. It happened in the summer in Edmonton and Toronto. The NHL, through the course of the playoffs, did over 33,000 tests. They paid for those themselves. The league paid, I believe it was in the neighborhood of $10 million to get those tests, to not take tests away from the public. You know, you're able to, they were able to buy those tests, all the people who are in the bubble, and that's how they were proceeded. So clearly they're going to look into doing the same sort of a thing with a vaccine. And as John Shannon clarifies, that they would not jump the line to do so. But there's nothing that's, that is stopping an organization, a league, heck, me or you, from contacting a pharmaceutical company and saying, can I buy vaccine? If, if it's available, if it's not promised to somebody else, if it's not promised, to, and, and clearly several countries are in the queue here to, to try and get the vaccine. So that's the latest on that. Uh, I realize it's going to raise some eyebrows. I, I realize it 
it, it might make people feel something unfair is happening, but I, I don't see it that way. Uh, again, the NHL did something similar with testing in the summer, and I think they realize that they have a lot of players to protect. They have a lot of people to protect. They want to play the league. And if 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 you as a listener to a sports show want hockey back, then I, I think you have to understand why the NHL would do this. But they also realize they're one of thousands, millions of people and groups who who would want to pursue this. And they're saying they wouldn't jump any sort of queue to do this. But to, to not ask, uh, I think, would be a little negligent. So that's that's how we're looking at that. And uh, certainly a bit of news there put out by John Shannon today, NHL insider and longtime broadcast executive in the country. I did see Rick Hest, uh, Westhead as well from TSN say that because the Pfizer vaccine needs to be stored at around minus 80 Celsius, so basically a Hoth-like temperature, if you want to put it in Star Wars terms, and I, and I know many of you need that for comparison, that because the Pfizer vaccine needs to be around minus 80, that perhaps it would be more likely for the NHL to buy one of the other vaccines that might not have to be uh, stored at such a specific and very cold temperature. So that's what I can tell you about that. It's it's not a it's not a slam dunk that the NHL is going to get vaccines. They're not asking to be prioritized over uh, high risk groups or anything like that. But if the vaccine is available and they can buy it, they would do so. Heck, I would do that. So that's what I can tell you there. The, I, I was I was about to say, this is this is funny. I was going to say Thursday night football, which is correct, but I caught myself because I had to say, wait a minute. I know there's an NFL game. Is it actually Thursday? Because so many games have been moved around lately. I, I believe it is actually Thursday. This game was on the schedule all year long. New England trying to stay alive in the playoff race. They've worked their way up to six and six, taking on the Los Angeles Rams, who are eight and four. That one will kick off in a few minutes. And of course, we'll keep you updated throughout the program. Cam Moon's going to hop on in a few minutes. We love having Cam on the show from Red Deer. We'll talk a little bit about the World Juniors, about the Western Hockey League. Nathan Dempsey's on the show, former NHL defenseman, campus director at Vimy Ridge here in Edmonton. And it is Bob Stoffer after the seven o'clock news which means I have to put the finishing touches on the quiz for Stoffer. One of my, well, it might be the highlight of my week now is asking Bob Stoffer uh, random trivia questions, <laughs> which are which have varying degrees of difficulty. That's what it's come to. Asking Bob Stoffer bizarre questions. The uh, one, of, well, one of the highlights of my week. I don't want to say it's the only one. W- one of the highlights uh, of doing the show is getting to hear from you. You are welcome to reach out by calling or texting 780-496-0063. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And you can email insidesports at 630ched.com. Brian Burke, very plugged into the NHL, former executive in the league. He's on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer every Thursday. And one thing we've been talking about this week on the show, Chris Johnston referenced it from Sportsnet a couple of days ago, that they're not going to adjust the memorandum of understanding from this from this summer. So the players are going to get, you know, most of their salary. Well, you know, they still get a, a fair chunk of their salaries, but they're going to be in debt to the owners. So how do you make that up? Brian Burke estimating that to be between 500 and $700 million. 
First off, the answer is that's about the right number. It's going to be somewhere in that ballpark. And how do you make it up is, okay, if, if for example, the players don't want to take a hit bigger than 30%, and I don't like the players having to take a hit. I'm not saying that, oh, they've got to absorb all this. But I had a GM tell me that they're modeling at 30% revenues from last year. So they're going to, uh, uh, modeling it to lose 70% of their revenues. And this is a team that does not does not make money. And so we're, it's going to be bleak. I also am very curious, you know, the revenue sharing where the, the wealthy teams prop up the smaller markets, that pool is going to dry up to nothing too. Like that's 8.5% of hockey-related revenue. I, that, that's good for this year because we played into March, but that's going to dry up in this upcoming shortened season. Uh, so I don't know how you make it up. I think, it, like I say, the one theory I've had advanced to me by an owner is that the thinking is we get the TV deal. It, any, any increase is not distributed to the to the uh, players at all. It's just flat cap, and HRR stays the same, and that's where they recover the money. But it has to be a pretty big deal to make back six or seven hundred million bucks. All right, a little bit there from Brian Burke. I do think that's going to be an ongoing story. I, I am a little worried, and I'm looking far ahead and there's enough to worry about in the here and now but just from a pure let's keep playing hockey perspective i am a little worried that maybe the seeds have been planted for some bad blood and negotiations down the road it's quarter after six we gotta call a quick timeout cam moon shines when we get back My next guest is talented, handsome, he has a great sense of humor, and he's a loyal friend. The play-by-play voice of the Red Deer Rebels is Cam Moon. Hey, Cam. Well, you got the friend part right, but yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> You're too hard on yourself, buddy. How are things going? How are things down in, uh, you know, in old Red Deer? Well, it's going okay. I, I mean, I'd love to have hockey back and everything you know somewhat normal but we don't have that right now but otherwise yeah it's 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 going okay what's the date for the whl is it still the 8th of january or has that been adjusted no it hasn't been adjusted i'm guessing at some point it will be but right now they're holding on to that date i i I think that's uh, a bit of a tough ask but i guess we'll see Okay, fair enough, fair enough. We'll uh, obviously keep an eye on that. Thanks for hopping on the show. Uh, The World Juniors are on track to be played starting Christmas Day here in Edmonton. Canada's first game is Boxing Day. This morning, Hockey Canada announcing that goaltenders Brett Brochu and Tristan Lennox have been released along with forwards Adam Beckman, Tyson Forster, Hendricks Lapierre, uh, Cole Schwint also let go as well as Shane Wright, uh, 34 players left in camp. Just, I, I know you'll have varying degrees of knowledge on those guys because some are Western Hockey League and some are from the other leagues, but did, did any of those names uh, raise an eyebrow or two when you saw they weren't sticking around? Not really. Um, I know you look at the numbers uh, that a guy like Adam Beckman had in the, in the WHL and you'd go, wow, like, that guy's not staying, but I mean, from what limited viewing I got of those, well, the two inter-squad games that we called on the internet, and then uh, I saw some practices prior to that, you know, and I know he had great numbers in the WHL, which he did, but I 
I just thought that there was there were there were more players that could play at a higher pace than him. So that that would be the only one where if you're looking from the outside looking in and knowing what he did as far as numbers with the Spokane Chiefs that yeah okay maybe that uh, would raise an eyebrow but that that would be it but I still think that there were a lot of guys ahead of him and clearly the coaches thought that too uh, and the management but there this is this is a loaded up club like Reed you look at the lineup that they have and they're down to I think 34 four now or something like that yep. and yeah okay and they'll be close to like they, they're playing another game right now and then uh i think they're going to get down to their team here sooner than later so uh they've got some tough decisions extremely tough decisions to make and yeah i know they they were able to you know there's three guys that left or five guys that left uh, due to you know unfit to play, so I mean that pared it down a bit. But they still got some really tough decisions to make, and even without Alexis Lafreniere, the first overall pick in the NHL draft, not there. That this team is like this is. I don't think it's far off of of what 2005 was, uh, when everybody was available and and Canada steamrolled the, to a gold medal in Grand Forks, North Dakota. So. I don't think this is far off of that as far as the talent level on Team Canada. And and I, I don't envy at all the coaches and the management staff of, of getting down to the final. I think they're taking 25. Uh, they already know who the three goalies are. Uh, but the rest of it, then the 22 skaters, it's, uh, it's going to be tough to, to get down to that final number for sure. Yeah, a lot of interesting names to watch. There was news uh, a week or 10 days ago about uh, Lafreniere not going. So, you know, that's uh, something else. But it, but it sounds like there are uh, there are good reports here on Oilers po- uh, prospect Dylan Holloway. Yeah, uh, I didn't get to see him uh, skate with the group. I did, like, when he... Cause when I was in there watching, he was still in his uh, stay with the NCAA guy quarantine. But I did see him skate with those guys for whatever that was worth, and he looked pretty good. So, And he had a good start to his, his season in the U.S., so that's good too. And I would love to see him on that club because he is an Oiler pick. Uh, so hopefully it works out for him that way. Yeah, if he looks, you know, as good as he did just skating with his other guys there with the other uh, NCAA players, then he'll definitely give himself a chance. I can see that he had really good skill and uh, there was good speed there too. But you can say that about just about everybody that's left, you can certainly say that about. So, yeah, it's I I would love to see him on that club because, uh, you know, just because he's an oiler pick. Before I let you go, and I know this is a, a tough question for a couple of reasons, but you're good at fielding them, so I'll ask you. But uh, and, and the reason it's a tough question is because this tournament can be somewhat un- unpredictable because a hot streak or some players overperforming in a short tournament can can turn everything upside down. And of course, there's still the potential that players we think are going to play might not be able uh, to play. You know, the Swiss team lost three players after positive tests, so that'll be a little bit of a different look for them. But who who do you think, I mean, the United States has been pretty good for a while now at, at this level. Who Who's uh, who's a good challenger for Canada in this tournament? Just, I, I don't know, I'm asking you two and a half weeks ahead of, or two weeks ahead of time, but who do you well, think? 
Well, for sure the Americans, and I, yeah, I know they lost some guys, so that's going to impact them. But even still, there is uh, there's depth of talent there now in, in the U.S. So I think they definitely be, have to be considered as as one of the front runners. Uh, I don't know how impactful uh, the the players that have are now left out for Sweden are. I I don't know, so I can't say how much that would would affect them but i would kind of have them in the mix as well i don't know enough about the russians uh to give you a really good answer as to how competitive they'll be but i mean if history tells us anything they're always pretty competitive so i would probably put them in that mix too Uh, but you know trying to handicap it from a ways away but even still Canada has to be considered one of the best here, just looking at the amount of first-round NHL picks, the amount of players back from last year, all these sorts of things. Like, they're loaded up on all of these. I mean, the only thing that isn't, uh, you know, really tried, tested, and true to this point is the goaltending. And... And, and and who knows? You know, once they get the opportunity, maybe one of these three can really take the ball and go with it. Last year, you know, nobody had put a, a lot of stock in what Joel Hofer was going to bring to the party. And as it turned out, he became a bit of a hero for Canada, helping them to a gold medal, uh, playing with the Portland Winterhawks before that with the Swift Current Broncos, the St. Louis Blues draft pick that it wasn't considered well wasn't even considered the number one guy going into the tournament and and i don't know how many people had him penciled in as making the team before the camp and when he got the opportunity well he he was able to show that he could play at that level so hopefully one of the three that canada have right now can be that guy so to me for canada that's that's a bit of the question mark so i'm, I'm not saying that it's a weakness i'm just saying we don't really know yet um but I, I think Canada has to be considered the favorite. All right. Cam, thanks for checking in. I really appreciate it. The dogs probably need to be walked. I know they're usually out at this time, so I'll let you take care of that. Thanks for checking in, buddy. We'll talk again soon. Merry Christmas, though, if it's not before Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you and all the Ched listeners. And, yes, I will get that little transistor radio. I will have the rest of the show on as I walk the dogs. That's why he's such a great friend. That is Cam Moon, the play-by-play voice of the Red Deer Rebels. The Rams score. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Quickly, three and a half minutes into the first quarter, they're up six uh, nothing on the Pats. Would you like the looks of this uh, Elliot Friedman who breaks a lot of stories really plugged into the NHL scene says that the NHL exploring the idea of selling ads on players helmets in an effort to create additional revenue apparently that was brought up during the board of governors call yesterday no formal comment from the league 
Well, yeah, they're going to have to try to generate money somehow. So again, the stuff with the vaccine, John Shannon tweeted out this afternoon that the NHL is looking into getting vaccine if it's available for private purchase, which it isn't at this point. And the league has said it would not jump any sort of lines to to get the vaccine before people who uh, really need it could get it. Adrian Dater, who covers the uh, National Hockey League as well, based in Denver, has posted here in the last few minutes. NHL source tells me nothing is tied to the vaccine for this coming season. So I think the NHL is probably like a lot of us. We'd like a vaccine. If we could get it, great. But the NHL, the the season being played is not contingent on them having a vaccine or being able to get one during the season or anything like that. So that that's the latest on that. I think the NHL has to cover all its bases and look if it's possible to uh, to get a vaccine at some point. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. Kevin heard the interview with Cam Moon, who is now walking his dogs. Kevin says, so he's the one that let the dogs out. Woof, woof. I, Kevin, I don't know if I did that with the right intonation or rhythm from the song. You probably wouldn't want to hear me try to try to replicate that. So we'll just we'll just leave that one alone for now. Football nine thirty left in the first quarter. It is seven nothing for the Rams leading the Patriots. And I'm pleased to welcome back to the show former NHLer. He's now the campus director at Vimy Ridge. It is Nathan Dempsey on the line. Nathan, it's nice to talk to you, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we enjoy having on the show. Finally got to have you in person in Studio 99 on a, on a face-off show last That's season. Right. Uh, Nathan, I, I don't know if that was in March or last October because I've lost all track of time. It all seems to melt together now, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. So what would you think? I, I'm just going to throw a random one here because I, I read that about the possibility of – uh, ads on the helmets and who knows ads on the jerseys could happen someday. You, you played in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, would players care about that? Would they feel like self-conscious or, you know, if, if all of a sudden they get, they got Ikea on their helmet or underneath their name on the back or something. You know what, if, if, if it means a better HA, an HRR for the league, I think they're all willing to do it. I mean, I played in Europe too, where we were poster boards for, for every kind of ad there was. There was on our helmets, our pants, our socks, our, our our jerseys that they were everywhere, and it didn't bother me at all. I mean, it was just a part of the part of the game. And again, with the with hockey related revenues kind of taking a hit here, I mean, I bet you the the, the players would you know wouldn't wouldn't mind one bit to have those uh, some uh, some advertising on on their stuff. Yeah, well, you're right. A lot of talk about how the salaries are going to be paid this year and, and down the road. I don't want to, you know, get too much into that with you, but that's uh, that's going to be another issue. I, I will just sort of bring it up if you have anything to say because it, it does seem like possibly the next generation of players might feel the brunt of some decisions made in the past yeah. few months. I mean, this is a you know, it's a really special circumstance. Obviously, I mean, something that that doesn't happen very often hasn't happened in our in our generation at all and and so there's got to be some give and take i think uh the players uh, certainly understand that of course that they don't want to uh to give away the farm by any means i mean they they should still be uh given what they're what they're uh what they're what they're owed to some point but they all understand there's got to be some some sacrifice made and um you're right you know 
Um, you know, some players in the future might have to sacrifice a little bit for what's going on right now. And, um, you know, I can remember back to a couple lockouts where we sat out. Um, I mean, I lost the whole year of my contract um, in, what was that, the last one was in 2005. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was in L.A. and I lost the whole year of my contract on that year. And um, something that you'll never, you know, you never make back. So, uh, you know, again, like, like any kind of circumstance like that, you're you're willing to kind of give to what you can, but of course, um, there's always a there's always a line where you don't want to cross. What uh, what were contract negotiations like for you? I mean, you were more of a, a depth guy. You played for yeah. a few different teams. Uh, what was that experience like? Yeah, so my the contract negotiations obviously are usually done by your agent, but there's always um, you know very close contact and and uh you're kind of given you know all the options of what of what's out there so um for the most part my contracts uh to a certain point were fairly simple and then when i uh when i when i made the nhl kind of more of as a full time um then the contracts become a little bit more uh, a little bit more important a little bit more detailed as far as what bonuses would be involved and at the time uh, there was bonuses that were a little bit different than what you can have now so um, you know, for instance, uh, you know, if you had a certain kind of plus minus during the year, you'd get X amount of bonus and there's all kinds of different kind of bonuses that you could include in your contract, which I don't believe are, is possible anymore, but I could be wrong. Um, so it got a little bit more, uh, intricate as, uh, as it got, um, you know, into the end of my NHL career. And, um, again, I mean, always, you know, always on the phone with my agent kind of going back and forth and seeing what the best fit, not only for, the team that you wanted to play for, but the the details that went into the contract as well. Yeah. Nathan Dempsey joining us tonight on uh, Inside Sports. Uh, of course, uh, born in Spruce Grove, has one of the greatest draft stories of all time, which I've made you tell several times <laughs> on the show. I won't make you do it tonight, but basically you were bagging groceries and got a phone call that you've been, you'd been drafted. Uh, I love that one. Uh, 260 games in the NHL, and as um, you mentioned, a couple of stops in Europe too. And Nathan, yeah. part of your story is uh, something you've been dealing with for now a decade. I'm going to read the tweet that you posted yesterday. You said, in this difficult time, I've been searching for some positivity and realized it's been exactly 10 years since my Parkinson's diagnosis. I am blessed to have amazing family and friends that have supported me through this battle. I am truly thankful. Uh, you know, I've known you sort of as a, as someone I, I, I interview for the last few years, and we, we've touched a little bit uh, on Parkinson's in the past, but uh, I, I just thought that was a really... Um, just kind of a really honest and, and and quite frankly somewhat touching thing to post. I mean, you didn't necessarily have to put that out there publicly, but uh, but good for you for for getting that out there. Yeah, no, I thought it was important. Like, um, you know, my wife and I were sitting around. And I can I was saying, uh, you know, I remember it being around Christmas time when I was diagnosed, and then I look back at some of my notes, and you know, holy smokes, it's been ten years, and um. You know, a lot of people will look at look at diseases or things things that they've uh, that they've gotten in their lifetime, and you know, think of it as a negative. And um, you know, for me, having to deal with Parkinson's for the last ten years, um, it's been a little bit of a blessing, just in the fact that um, there's so many things that that maybe you've taken for granted in the past that you don't take for granted anymore. Um, you know the battles that I continue to to go through with uh, with dealing with this uh, disease each and every day have become a little bit of a norm, obviously, and it's something that I think is just uh, 
improve me as a human, improve me as a, as, a, as a person. So, you know, with this whole uh, pandemic going on, there's, um, I mean, it's it's tremendously difficult on everybody, and you know, I'm no different. And, and obviously, uh, at the school with the with the hockey academy, we're now gone virtual, and um, obviously, running a hockey program is uh, incredibly difficult when you're doing it virtually. Um, so there's, I just kind of looked back on it and said, you know what, this is this is something that I've, I've I've battled through. I've gone through ten years of this, and after looking at these ten years, I think I've done a, a great job, and I just want to continue to to obviously thank the people that have been involved with my uh, my battle, my wife, my family, the tremendous neurologists at the, the K Clinic at the U of A. Um, they've just, you know, I, I call them my team because basically that's what they are. They've, they're a team of people that keep me um, on track, that keep me, um, you know, pushing through the battles and the, and the times that are, that are difficult. And uh, I look at it as, as a blessing. Well, Nathan, I, I love how you talk about that. If you if you don't mind, can you take me back to the diagnosis? Like ten years ago, you're in your mid your mid thirties. You're less than two years removed from playing uh, professional hockey. So, I mean, obviously, you were. Well, I mean, you still are in great shape, but uh, you know, you're coming off a, yeah. uh, a like a fifteen year career in, in NHL and in the minors and. In, in Europe. So what were some of the, the warning signs that you had to address that, that led to the diagnosis? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's funny because the, the diagnosis happened 10 years ago, but man, I, I knew a long time ago that, 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 that something was going on. And it, I can, I can kind of remember back to when I was in LA. Um, my daughter uh, was born in Chicago in 2003. So I guess it would have been, she would have been about two or three and I was feeding her some, some lunch um, when I got home from practice and um, the food kept kind of jumping up the spoon because my hand would stop shaking. And my wife kind of noticed and she said, yeah, I kind of noticed your hand been shaking a little bit more often than usual. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I kind of noticed that too. Usually it was only after games because I kind of figured it was just a little bit of, you know, I was still hyped up. I was still, you know, feeling the pump of the game and I was just a little bit, had a little bit of a, of a tremor. And, and so, um, from there, um, I, I went to Boston. That was the first place I saw a neurologist. And actually, the neurologist diagnosed me was called a benign tremor, which is not Parkinson's, but it is a is a, it is a disorder that doesn't get any worse. Um, it's something that a lot of people deal with. with just like a shaky hand, which a lot of people just have. Uh, it's called a benign tremor. And so that was that. And, um, you know, as, as those years started going, Reed, you know, there's parts of my game that I knew I... I could do easily all the time that just weren't coming as easily anymore. Um, parts of my game that I just physically couldn't quite do as well anymore. Um, when I went to Europe, uh, um, to, went to Switzerland to play in Bern, um, you know, I just felt like, man, there's so many, I just can't get up and down the ice. Like I used to, like there's, there's plays that I would make, um, that I just couldn't make anymore. And, um, you know that. With that being said, you know I had a, a bad hip injury. I had to have a, a hip surgery, and that kind of ended my career more than anything else. But when I came back from Switzerland and I started to to see neurologists, uh, I was not lucky enough to to see some of the older neuro, neurologists, and and then get uh, hooked up with the with the movement disorder clinic and in, in, with the K clinic in Edmonton. Um, you know, you, you you we all we all have something going on. We all play you know, web doctor, we go on and you go on the internet and you find, you know, this symptom and this symptom. And 
Um, you know, by the time I was diagnosed 10 years ago, I, I pretty much knew what I had. Um, it was just a matter of getting the doctors kind of uh, to sign off on it and say, you know, we've done all the tests and then this is what you have. So it's it's been a it's been a 10 years since I've been diagnosed, but man, it's probably been more like 15 since you know I kind of knew something was going on. Yeah, well, thanks for being so honest in in, in sharing that because obviously you know what a what a pivotal moment in, in your life and um, I, I don't know if as, if it is as an athlete, do you think it was harder to accept because you were having maybe some things taken away or do you think because you knew your body so well and were in pretty good shape that maybe that was an advantage when you look back uh you know it's kind of both ways i think read it it, was, it definitely was an advantage i really like you said uh, we we're very in tune with our bodies you kind of whenever you feel something a little bit off you really kind of know it um but you know uh, it was tough for me just doing the things that I could do. And like I mentioned before, there were so many things that it just came, it seemed to come so easily for me that, man, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, it was, it, that, that becomes very frustrating. And then especially when you're still playing and uh, the coaches are getting on you and about, you know, this and that. And you're like, man, I know, I know, you I know what you're saying. I just, for some reason, there's just something I just can't get her done. And, um, you know, looking back, you kind of go, okay, well, that probably had something to do with it, obviously, uh, yeah. without really knowing it, you know. Yeah. Well, thanks thanks for sharing that story. And I think it's important we, you know, we acknowledge the, the decade and, uh, and, and your positive energy and the contributions of your family and loved ones and, and doctors. You're obviously very, uh, you give a lot of credit to your support system. And, hey, you're helping, you're helping a lot of young people prepare for hockey and prepare for life. I know you mentioned things are are pretty different at Vibby Ridge, yeah. uh, but, uh, but how are you feeling, um, you know, overall? You feel like you're just you're just adapting and finding different ways to connect with the students? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're um, fairly well-versed in it from the spring, kind of heading to virtual, doing video and doing some workouts and stuff. So whatever, what do we do to keep the kids active and, and keep their brains um, um, focused on the game that we all love and, um, you know, it's a difficult time right now. The kids are, I mean, we're obviously want them to continue to do well in their scholastics. That's first and foremost. So we don't want to interfere with that, but, you know, keeping yourself physically motivated and physically active obviously helps, uh, with mental health and with all the things that are going on right now, we feel like that's uh, tremendously important. So we want to stay connected with the kids and we want to keep them, uh, like I said, a little bit more active than 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 they might will be would be without us. So, whatever we can do to help them, um, we're there for them. Yeah, right on. Uh, well, Nathan, I always love having you on the show. So, we're of course we're going to keep in touch. I, I love always hear uh, hearing you love talk about your career and you're doing such great work at Vimy Ridge. And thanks for you know sharing your your story of Parkinson's tonight. And uh, you know just hopefully your energy and your honesty about that might help some people who are going through a, a tough time of their own, whether it's Parkinson's or something else. So we do appreciate that. Thanks for coming on the show. If I don't talk to you uh, between now and then, great. Have a merry Christmas to you and your family. Well, no, it's always great coming out with you, Reed. I really appreciate you as a support with uh, with me through all this. And uh, again, uh, Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners as well. Right on. That is Nathan Dempsey. Check it in tonight. 
campus director at Vimy Ridge, 260 NHL games, and uh, really, uh, really honest, really heartfelt tweet yesterday and told the story about Parkinson's, how the last decade has gone, how we, you know, suspected and then found out that he that he had it. Uh, a strong guy with a strong family, strong friends, all working together, and he's doing great work at Vimy Ridge. It's 6.51, back after the break. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Mike Smith signing a one-year contract with the Oilers on the second day of free agency. The Oilers, of course, also landing Tyson Berry, bringing back Tyler Ennis. As we appear to be creeping Toward the next season, January 13th remains the much-speculated date with training camps likely starting on January 3rd for the Oilers and the other 20, uh, 23 teams who were part of the qualifying round. The seven teams that didn't get any postseason games would get to start a few days earlier. We continue to keep an eye on that. The Rams up 10-0 on the Patriots, a minute 31 Left in the first quarter, Jared Goff tonight, 7 for 10 for 73 yards. Patriots coming in at 6-6, six and six, keeping their playoff hopes alive after a pretty poor first half of the season. The Rams coming in at 8-4, and four, competing with the Seahawks for top spot in the NFC West. The Seahawks will take on the winless New York Jets on Sunday afternoon. Bob Stoffer coming up in the next half hour of the show. We're also going to talk to Rob Vanstone who writes for the Regina Leader Post, and he's the one guy. He was the one vote that did not vote for Duvernay Tardif, did not vote for Alfonso Davies for the Lou Marsh Award. So he decided, what the heck, I'm just going to tell everybody I was the one guy and who I voted for, and people can be mad that I didn't vote for one of the two other guys, making it a, a definite winner instead of a tie. He's going to be on between 7.38. Well, we might we might do Name the Animal tonight, if there's time, just, just so you can really feel excited about it and build up to it. Oh, and as I'm looking away here, we got a touchdown for New England. Looks like Robert Woods was trying to catch the ball and it was snatched away from him by a Patriots player. I imagine they'll take a look at this because they could rule the Patriots defensive back down by contact. But at the moment, it is 10-6 for the Rams, thanks to a defensive touchdown from New England. We're back after the news and weather. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.